Thank you, David, for your testimony to us. And thank you, uh, Callum, as well. And, um, sorry, and uh, Abigail, too. We really appreciate your input. Can we uh, show our appreciation to these young people for... Thank you so much, guys. We really appreciate it. And us oldies, like me, the grand age of 36, it warms our hearts to, uh, it does, to see you leading. So thank you so much. And thank you, all of you who are yet to take part. So if you, uh, if you weren't with us this morning, uh, then we uh, are going through the book of Ruth. And we are doing a whistle-stop tour. So we, we, we got up to uh, the end of chapter 2 yesterday. And it all turns on a sixpence. Uh, at the end of chapter 2, because everything is going down and down and down and downhill until we get to this point at the end of chapter 2, where it all starts going up again. Remember, we saw that we had Naomi, this woman whose name means pleasant, or it did at the beginning till she said she wanted not to be called Naomi anymore. And she lived with her husband, and he married, God is my king. And they lived in Bethlehem and Judah, which is the house of bread and praise. And they had these kids that they called names that meant sickly and puny, and they moved to Moab, God's toilet, and because there was a famine in the land, and the boys died. And uh, Ruth, uh, uh, Ruth uh, went back with her mother-in-law, and they end back up in Bethlehem at the time of the barley harvest. And uh, just as that barley harvest was beginning, and Ruth goes out into the fields and she starts gleaning, and she meets this chap called Boaz, whose name means strength. And Boaz is one of the kinsmen redeemers. We need to think about that a little bit right now. But uh, just to say, my, as many of you know, we've had a, another child in our family recently. Edith uh, was born to us in June. And, uh, of course, my wife, rightly so, has been very busy um, uh, sort of doing things with Edith. I've been looking after our two older boys a lot, and Ruth and Edith have been having lots of cuddles, and uh, Mummy's been feeding Edith. And because of that, Mummy spent quite a lot of time in front of Netflix. Now, she won't thank me for saying that, but she has, and fair enough, you know, uh, because she's the one that's been doing the late nights and so on, and I'm very grateful to her for that. And uh, Ruth watches... Uh, things which I don't particularly like to watch. Ruth watches things called rom-coms. And if you don't know what a rom-com is, it's short for romantic comedy. It's a certain type of film, um, normally written by Richard Curtis, and uh, normally got the same... Well, there is only one storyline, isn't it, of a rom-com. You know, basically, boy meets girl, and boy and girl aren't compatible, and it all seems to go downhill. And about three-quarters of the way through, it looks like they're going to get together, and it's all going to be brilliant. There's normally a high school ball at the end or something like that. And uh, and then just before you get to the end, it's snatched away. It looks like it was going to be victorious, but it's snatched away. And then it's all okay in the end, and they kiss, and it's happy ever after. Well, Richard Curtis wasn't the first person to come up with the rom-com format because actually as we get to the end of the book of Ruth it feels a little bit like that and I want you to have some of the excitement there is in this story okay because God's word is a living word it's an exciting word yes good well I'm pleased that you agree so wholeheartedly um, so we're going to uh, we're going to live this story tonight but before we do we need just to turn uh, to our Bibles and if you're following uh, then you can too to somewhere else in God's law to understand a little bit about this idea of kinsman redeemer and we're going to turn to Leviticus 25 verse 26 because you remember that uh, Naomi said to Ruth oh Boaz he is one of our kinsman redeemers and we read a little bit about that in Leviticus the law given to the Israelite people through Moses in 25 verse 26 
And this is, I'm going to read 25 as well, actually. And this is what it says. Now, remember, of course, that the, um, the laws about gleaning were there to make sure that people in Israel weren't left to be too poor. And this is a similar one of those laws. If one of your countrymen becomes poor and sells some of his property, now that, of course, was Elimelech. Elimelech, before he died and they left for Moab, had sold property. His nearest relative is to come and redeem what his countrymen has sold. If, however, a man has no one to redeem it uh, for him, but he himself prospers and acquires sufficient means to redeem it, he is able to determine the value since he sold it and refund the balance back to the man who sold it. He can then go to his own property. All sounds a little bit complicated. Um, It was fairly strict in law, but what that basically meant was, if you have some property and it gets sold because you are poor, of course you've got the money in the bank, but what you don't have is the property anymore. You don't have the income off the land. And if a near relative says, do you know what, I'm going to buy that land off you and give it back to my family member... They couldn't say no. It had to happen if they said it. That was part of what the kinsman redeemer could do. And we've learnt that Boaz was a possible kinsman redeemer for the family. That means it was his right, if he wanted to, to buy back the land of Elimelech and give it back to Ruth and Naomi. But there's something else as well that the kinsman redeemer uh, has to do in terms of responsibility. If you'd like to turn to Deuteronomy 25 and verse 5, we read this. Now, this is why my wife is so pleased that we are Christians and not Jews, because we haven't met my brother. Anyway, here we go. If brothers are living together and one of them dies without a son, his widow must not marry outside the family. Her husband's brother shall take her and marry her, and fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to her. We've got young ears in the room, but it involves having a baby, guys, okay? Uh, the first son shall bear the first son she bears shall carry on the name of the dead brother, so that the name will not be blotted out for Israel. So there was two jobs of the kinsman redeemer. One was to buy back land that had been lost and give back to the family. The other was to marry the widow um, so that the family line could be continued. But the important thing was, is the kinsman redeemer could not do either or. He could say no, he could say no, I'm not going to be a kinsman redeemer, but he couldn't say I'll just do one. If he's going to redeem the land, he's got to marry the widow, or if he's going to marry the widow, he's got to redeem the land. So we need to know that as we carry on the story. Are we ready? Here we go. Thank you, Abigail, for your reading today. It was great. We really appreciate it. So in the reading that Abigail read to us, we can imagine this scene, that Naomi is standing there doing the dishes or doing some cooking or so on, and she's sort of saying, you know, Ruth, you've been really kind to me. You've hung around here for a while, but... um. But isn't it time you got your own place, you know, and got married and moved on? And, you know, I was thinking, um, what about Boaz? <laughs> you know, this is a proper mother-in-law sticking her nose in here. It really is. You know, Ruth, Ruth's been really sweet and innocent about this up to now. I mean, 
Boaz has been really looking out for her. He's been really kind. Um, he's gone way above and beyond. He clearly really likes her. He noticed her the minute he turned up in his field. You know, remember he said to the foreman, hey, who's the girl? And Ruth's just like, well, you know, he's, he's still my friend. And, you know, I, you know uh, I go and glean in his field. And he gives me protection. And, uh, but Nomi, she sees what's going on. And this is where it gets a little bit rom comish, if you like, because she says, Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Now, the point was, this was the end of the, of the harvest. In fact, the barley harvest had already finished and we'd gone into the wheat harvest. So Ruth had been going to see Boaz now for probably about three months. Okay? And this thing had really been developing. And this was the last night, okay? You've got to see that. This is the last night. And uh, tomorrow, well, everything's going to be collected in. The harvest is going to be over. And so there's no more what? There's no more Ruth and Boaz. There's no reason for Ruth to go to Boaz's field tomorrow because the harvest is over. Tonight, they're going to have it all in. They're going to have a party. So she says, tonight, he'll be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash and perfume yourself. Put on your best clothes. Okay, so when you get home, Ruth, I'm going to have a bath run for you because you're going to stink after being out gleaning all day in the heat. And, uh, you know, we'll make sure we've got some nice sort of, you know, the nice bath bubbles. You like the ones in Waitrose. You know, we'll have those, okay? Uh, and a few candles. I'm going to get that nice dress, you know, the one you really like, okay? And uh, you're going to get yourself, um, you're going to get yourself doled up, Ruth, because you're going to go see Boaz later, okay? And this is what, she, she's got a plan, okay? She says, uh, um, don't, she'll go and see him. Don't let him know that you're there until he's finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He'll tell you what to do. <laughs> She's got this plan of what's going to happen. So um, they're all going to sleep around the harvest. And the reason they do that is we read in other places in the time of Judges where the Philistines and other enemies of the people of God will come and steal the harvest. And you've been getting this harvest in all year and you get it threshed, you get it all there. And if it gets stolen, well, that's your food gone and your income gone. So everyone's going to sleep around the harvest. So this is what Ruth's going to do. And she says, yeah, I'm, I'll do whatever you say. That's fine. Um, and she, she goes down to do this. So she goes to the party and Boaz is there. And he's in good spirits. Of course he is. He's the boss. They've got all the harvest in. It's all collected. And uh, he goes in the end to sleep. And Ruth goes down. There's nothing, there's nothing, you know, unsavory about this. Ruth goes down when he's asleep. And she just takes uh, away the, the blanket a little bit at his feet. And she lies at his feet. And she goes to sleep. And then in the night, something startles Boaz. And he wakes up. And it says, in the middle of the night, he, something started him, and he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. And verse 9, when you read verse 9, you may think it says, who are you, he asked. It doesn't say that. It says, oh, who are you? <laughs> who are you? What's this? What are you doing here? Because it's dark. He can't see what's going on. And she says, I'm your servant Ruth. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. It's a generous little comment she's making. It's nothing rude or naughty. She's just inviting her. I've heard you could be a kinsman redeemer. Do do you want to to be that? And uh, this is is pleasing to Boaz. And he clearly likes her. And he says, this is a great kindness that you've shown me. 
because you could have gone off after younger men. You're a pretty young girl, and you've got a noble character. We all know that. But just before you think it's all going to break into the credits, and they're going to kiss and walk off into the sunset and get married, here is the sort of the the little spanner that's thrown into works. There is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I, he says. Now, what this means is, is as a close relative of Boaz, that's more closely related to Elimelech and that side of the family than he is. And he's got to ask this guy if they're going to do it first. So they go to sleep. And in the morning, they get up and they go into town and uh, we, we pick up the story uh, in, um, where should we pick it up? We, we pick up the story, let's pick it up in, in chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 1. So meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat there. When the kinsman redeemer he mentioned to so the other guy came along, Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. They had some business to do. So they came down and sat down, and Boaz took ten of the elders of the town. Now, to do this kinsman redeemer thing, Boaz needed two witnesses, and he got ten. So there was going to be no messing about here, okay? This was, what was going to happen was going to be witnessed. And he said to the kinsman redeemer, so he'd been quite a close relation to him, he said, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our brother Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest you buy it in the presence of these people seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you won't, tell me and I'll do it because I'm next in line. Now, the guy says, because he's a quite fair sort of guy, he says, yeah, I'll redeem it. Now, at that point, if this were a film and he says, I'll redeem it, there would have been tense music, and close-up camera images, because, oh my goodness, this is bad. This guy can't redeem it, because it's going to be Boaz and Ruth, surely, isn't it? That's the love story. It's going to be Boaz and Ruth. No, 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 this is bad. But it's right, Boaz, he knows what he's doing. So Boaz said, oh, okay, that's fine. <clears throat> On the day you buy the land from Naomi and from Ruth the Moabites, you require, you acquire the dead man's widow in order to maintain the name of the dead. In other words, don't forget... If you're going to redeem the land, you've got to marry the girl. Tense. Boaz wants to marry that girl, okay? Nomi wants Boaz to marry the girl. The girl wants Boaz to marry her. He's been so kind. He's been so generous. He's given her so much protection. And so the guy thinks about it. He thinks about it and he says, he says, well, he says, I can't do it. I, I can't do it because I might endanger my own estate. I've got my own kids and I've got my own land. And if I marry Ruth, then, then I've got to think about who's going to inherit what. No, I just can't do it. It's, it's, it's too complicated for me. And at that point, the tension rises. And we think, yes, yes, the kinsman redeemer has stepped aside, which means that Boaz can do it. And so Boaz announces to the elders and all the other people, he says, Today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malhon. I have also acquired, it's quite clumsy, it feels clumsy the way we read it, but, you know, it, it was in the culture of the day. We've acquired Ruth the Moabites, Malhon's widow, as my wife in order to maintain the name of the dead 
with his property. So his name will not disappear from the town or uh, from the family or town record records. Today you are my witnesses. Yes! He gets the girl. Isn't it great? Isn't it a beautiful story? And the thing is, is that it's more beautiful than that. Why? Because we have seen how, as we thought about this morning, in this dark time of judges, a really dark time, God has used very normal people and very normal circumstances to bring about his plan for salvation. Listen how the book ends. Then Naomi took the child. They had a child. They had a son. Naomi took the child and laid him in her lap and cared for him. The other women there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, who was the father of King David. Isn't that beautiful? Now, we just need to spend a few moments, just a few moments, applying this um, to our lives because we had a lovely heartwarming story but we need to uh, need to put a little bit of thought in here in deuteronomy 23 verse 3 we read these words just listen to these words no ammonite or moabite reef for the moabite or any of their descendants may enter the assembly of the lord not even for the tenth generation. The way that the Moabite people had came about was through pretty disgusting means. If you're younger, ask your parents about it earlier, and they'll decide whether they, whether they reveal it all to you or not. But it wasn't particularly savoury. But look what God did. Through his grace, he used Ruth, this Moabite woman, to be the great-great-grandmother of King David. Ruth is in the direct family line of Jesus. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verse 12. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Ruth, by her birth, was far away from God. But remember, she declared that she would let God be her God. Naomi's people would be her people. And God used her because of her faith. It's always been because of faith that people have been uh, coming to the kingdom of God. And it's always been because of Jesus. Even before Ruth even knew the name of Jesus, it was because of Jesus in chapter 1, we saw Ruth was deciding what to do. In chapter 1, we read this morning about that beautiful confession of faith that she gave to her mother-in-law in, uh, in verse 16, how she said, your people will be my people. Just compare that with what we read in Romans uh, chapter 10, verse 9. In, Roman te- in Romans 10, verse 9, we read, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord... And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Is that what happened for Naomi? Yes, it was. She didn't know the name of Jesus because he hadn't yet to be born. But she declared that God was her God. The living God was her God and she was more than saved. She was used mightily. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that amazing? In chapter 2, we see Ruth serving. 
She was going out and she was collecting the, the gleanings. She was taking them back dutifully to her mother-in-law to make sure that the family that she was in was well provided for. Just compare that with Romans 6 verse 22. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, the result to which is eternal life. Ruth was part of the family of God. She had joined the Israelite people and she was reaping not only the gleanings on the floor, but she was reaping eternal life from God. In Ruth chapter 3, which Abigail read to us so beautifully, Ruth was resting. Ruth was resting not only from her work, but from uh, the end of the harvest as a whole. She was there at the feet of Boaz. And we compare that to what we read in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 10, where we read these words. Hebrews 4, uh, verse 10. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works. We know, don't we, there is nothing that we can do that's going to make God love us more. Do you know, Callum, it doesn't matter how many services you lead, God's not going to love you more. Do you know that? Keep leading services though, Callum, won't you? Because one of the questions that my students keep asking me often when I teach uh, them Christian theology at A-level is this whole thing about faith and works. And they say to me, they say, sir, I don't understand. How can it be the case that works aren't important? Surely what we do for God is important. And they say that sometimes you read in the textbook that Catholics believe it's about works and Protestants believe it's about faith. And I say to them, you've got it all wrong. You got it all wrong because it's not faith or works. It's not even faith and works. Do you know what it is? It's faith then works. Look at the example of Ruth. She came to God in faith. She was saved and used by faith. But then as a result of her faith, she wanted to do things for God. Isn't that the right motivation for what we do for the Lord? Because we have been saved, because we have been redeemed, because we have been made new in Christ, we are motivated to do things for him, not because it buys us salvation, but because it's a response of thanks and gratitude from the heart of a saved sinner, as David has reminded us this evening. And then finally, in Ruth chapter 4, which we've just breezed through, Ruth was rewarded. What an amazing picture. What a story of grace. But just compare the words we heard a moment ago uh, with what Paul teaches us from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. And in No, I've got my reference wrong. Anyway, don't worry. I will tell you the reference anyway. Uh, In Ephesians, Paul talks about, doesn't he, that marriage is the picture of Christ and his bride that is the church. As we see Ruth and Boaz united in this love, we are reminded that a day will come when Jesus Christ will return. Will he not? That deserves an amen, doesn't it? And he will be reunited with his bride, which is us, the church. We have a kinsman redeemer, friends. His name is not Boaz, but Boaz pointed to it. His name is Jesus Christ. And we are grateful for the redemption we get from him. I'll finish with this little analogy. I heard it uh, told to me the other day. I think I shared it at camp, actually, so some of you may have heard it before. But there are, largely speaking, two sets of people in life. Some people are weather vanes. And some people are signposts. 
You know what a weather vane does, don't you? The little cockerels that you see on the top of, uh, on the top of buildings, that as the wind changes, they point in different directions. People who are weather vanes point to different things depending on the mood of the moment, depending on what the conditions are like outside. But if you go and look at a signpost and it points in a direction and you come back 20 years later, no matter what the weather, that signpost will still be pointing in that way. Friends, I know that I speak to Christian brothers and sisters tonight. Be signposts to the kinsman redeemer that is Christ. Be signposts for the world around you, for the kinsman redeemer that is Christ. Because just like Ruth and Naomi started with no hope, because they had a kinsman redeemer, they were given salvation from their situation. And we are given salvation from our sin through our kinsman redeemer who is Christ. We look forward to the day when we are united with him fully. But until that day comes, keep pointing to the grace there is and keep serving in the everyday. In Jesus' name, amen.